to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. In the Gospel of John chapter 14, I want to begin at verse 1. Jesus said this, words in red in your Bible, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Boy, isn't that nice to read that in the Bible? That's talking to you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I'm glad that's in the Bible. Jesus said it. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. And I want you to get ready just to absorb today. 2,000 years ago, the Son of God came to this earth robed with flesh, gave his life for the redemption of sinful humanity. The Bible tells us he was buried in a borrowed tomb for three days, but on that third day, that resurrection Sunday, he came out of that tomb with resurrection power, and he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days, and finally he ascended to heaven, where the Bible says he sits today at the right hand of the throne of God as our healer, as our deliverer, as our way maker, as our miracle worker, as our advocate with the Father, as our great high priest, as the mediator between God and man, as our Holy Ghost baptizer, but as our soon coming king, and as the savior of the world. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. Let's just celebrate Jesus. But before Jesus left this world, he gave his church, he gave us a wonderful promise. We just read it. He said, I will come again. And so I just want to say today very simply, one of these days, and I don't believe it's going to be long, Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. I go to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28, and I read, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment... So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Watch this. And to those who eagerly wait for him. I just want to ask, is anybody waiting for him today? Those who eagerly wait for them, here's what he said, him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He came to start this thing and he's coming back one of these days to finish it. I know that when Jesus comes, Christ comes back, that'll be the consummation of our salvation. In Acts chapter one, verse 11, I've got a lot of scriptures today. In Acts chapter one, verse 11, After the resurrection of Jesus, at his ascension, when he went back to heaven, two angels appeared, and this is what they said to the disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you up into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Listen, Jesus said he's coming back. The writer of Hebrews said he's coming back. Angels testify that he's coming back. I'm gonna say it repeatedly. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is coming again. Now, I know some people may not believe this, and I know for people that are unsaved or unchurched, 
to hear a message like this and the words that I'm saying may seem fictitious. It may seem mythological. It may seem like a fairy tale. It may be the kind of thing that you laugh and make fun of and say, yeah, right. You really believe that Jesus, that God is gonna come back to this earth. Yes, we do. And I can understand if you're unchurched, unsaved, it, it would be very difficult to get your hands around this concept because the carnal mind can't understand spiritual truths. But here's what we find, that sometimes people in the church become cynical. Sometimes people in the church become skeptical. Sometimes people in the church lose their faith and express doubts. And Peter predicted that this would happen in 2 Peter chapter 3. Here's what he said, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, listen to what they're going to say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, y'all keep singing about it. Y'all keep preaching about it. I know we keep reading it in the Bible, but it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, and I don't think it's going to happen well, I'm gonna be honest with you. My parents are still living. They're, 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 they're at home right now watching on, on the, the live stream. But my parents look for them. They're, they're gonna turn 78 here in a few months. Dad and mom both in July and August turned 78. Their whole lives, they've been looking for him. My grandparents looked for him in their generation. My great-grandparents looked for him in their generation. And I know that it may seem like it's been 2,000 years, Pastor, and he hasn't come yet. Well, let me just help you with something. The Apostle Paul and the apostles and the members of the early church thought he was coming back in the first century. They really did. They, nobody could see that there would be a church age that would last 2,000 years. So consequently, you know, Christians, carnal Christians, can be cynical and say, it's not real. It's never gonna happen. I can see where they'll wrestle with that. But listen, common sense says, just because he hasn't returned yet does not mean that he's not gonna return at all. It takes faith to hold to this promise just like every other promise in the Bible. And this is where your confidence in God and your confidence in his faithfulness is put to the test. So let me ask you some questions this morning, okay? Is God a liar? Would God lie to you? Can God lie? No, the answer is a resounding no. And there is a verse in the Bible that deals with this. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of a man that he should repent, that is, change his mind. Say one thing and then do another. This is what he said. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? And the answer is yes. Listen to me. When God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. And when God said he's going to do something, he will do it. I went through the Bible, and I, th I thought about Noah. He told Noah, you build an ark, and I promise to save you from the flood, and he kept his word. He told Abraham, trust me, and you'll have a son in your old age, 
and God kept his word. He told Joshua, and I preached this last Sunday, attack Jericho according to my battle plan, and I'll give you the victory. Well, God kept his word. He told Moses, stretch out your rod over the Red Sea, and I'll part the waters of the Red Sea, and God kept his word. He told Naaman, dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River, and I'll heal you of leprosy. Well, guess what? He did it, and God kept his word. He told Elijah, rebuild the altar and pray, and I'll send down fire from heaven and bring revival to the nation of Israel and God kept his word. Jesus shows up and he starts doing that. He puts mud on the eyes of a blind man and tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam and watch what happens. And the man went and washed in the pool of Siloam and Jesus promised him that he would be healed and the Bible says he came back seeing. He went to visit his good friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus had died and he said, if you'll just believe that I'm the resurrection and the life, your brother will live again. And he kept his word and Lazarus came out of the tomb. He told the disciples, don't go into ministry, but go to Jerusalem and tarry in the upper room and pray for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. And they did. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared to them cloven tongues like fire and one set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance and God kept his word. I'm here to tell you, when Jesus makes a promise, he keeps it. And if he said he's coming back for his bride, y'all, he will come one of these days. Hallelujah. I want, I want us to go look at the words of Jesus in John 14. Can I take you back there, please? Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. It's really sad that the, the translators chose that word and even though it's in the King James, and I don't, I don't use the King James. I know there are people that will live and die on the King James, and they're very ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. But, but the King James is a great Bible, and it's been around for years. But it's not, it's not in our language. And there, there's a Bible version called the New King James Version, which I love. I preach from that because it keeps the beauty of the Elizabethan language, but it gets it in our language. We don't say thee, thou, ye, yea, verily, ha, you know. So we, we, you want a Bible, a translation that you can understand. And, and yet both of those, the translators decided to say, in my father's house are many mansions. Look, I'm a practical guy. I'm pragmatic to a fault. I don't feel, how do you have a house with mansions in it? You just can't have a house with mansions in it. The, the literal rendering of the Greek word is dwelling places. It can actually mean rooms. So the better translation there, we're doing no harm to the Bible, because there are alternate translations that fit with the Greek is rooms. And it makes sense. In my father's house are many rooms. For all of you who hope that one day you'd go to heaven and have your mansion and be in the lifestyles of the rich and the famous, I've just burst your bubble. I'm sorry. But I would rather have a room in the father's house. If you want to be in a mansion somewhere halfway across heaven, you go right ahead. But I want to be right up next to the Papa God. And so the Bible says there are dwelling places. And the idea is that the place where God dwells, heaven, has a house filled with countless rooms for his children. And I have to think this through because there are millions of people that have come to Christ and gone to heaven. And I'm trying to think of a house big enough to have millions of rooms for millions of people. And yet, God has it. Because heaven has no limits. And God is the great builder. And if he wants to build a house with millions of rooms in it, go for it. But the whole idea is when you get to heaven, you have a room of your own. 
And it's the idea of permanence and belonging. I don't know what your room is going to be like. Mine will have ESPN cabled in. And, and, and I will have a refrigerator with Diet Dr. Peppers. There will be a smoking pig right down the street, and they will cater it in room service to my room. I don't know about your room. And now that I, once I get there, you know, I lost 30 pounds, and I'm trying to watch my weight, and sugar is now poison. But when I get to heaven in my glorified body, I'm going to eat donuts. I'm going to eat pecan pie, yellow cake with chocolate icing, every kind of ice cream. I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to enjoy it, and it won't go on my waist. And they're going to bring it in my room. It's just they're going to be stacks of it. angels will be bringing in dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts. They're going to be the hot now ones and the glaze, and then it's going to be the, the ones with the Boston, the cream inside with the chocolate. I need to stop right now. I'm going to backslide in my, in my health here if I keep this up. Now, I know we're laughing, and some of you saying, Pastor, are you just being funny? No, I'm being serious. I don't know what my room will be like, but it's not going to be Spartan. It's going to have a king-size bed. I know that much. Come on, how many of y'all want a king-size bed in your room? And, 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 but here's the point. It's a place of permanence. It's a place of belonging. Listen, the devil will come along and try to tell some of you that you don't belong to Jesus and that Jesus doesn't love you and God doesn't care about you and you're not worthy and he'll try to beat you down, but you listen to your pastor today. Jesus himself said, I love you so much and I saved you that I've gone to heaven to prepare a place for you and don't you think I'm gonna waste all my time on getting it ready? I fully intend to come back and get you. You're gonna make it to heaven, brothers and sisters. Come on, somebody. You're gonna make it because because Jesus has gone to all the trouble to make it for you. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He's making your room ready for, a, 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 for your arrival. And, and, and what a glorious thought that he says, I go to prepare a place for you that he wants you with him. And your response ought to be, well, I want to be with him too. And then he said, I will receive you to myself. Let me just show you all this. This will bless somebody. I will receive you to myself. And I love to do word studies in the Bible. And I, I went in for, after this one. I love this. The word receive is, is more passive in, in the English language. But let me just tell you what, the, what it means in the original language, what the force of it. There is some force in it. It means with strength and aggressiveness to bring one, one alongside yourself. With strength and aggressiveness to bring somebody, boom, right alongside yourself. And if you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? When Jesus is ready for you to come get you, can I be plain? All the teachers are going to just get upset right now. Ain't nothing going to stop him. Ain't nothing. Gonna, there is no force powerful enough to keep you from Jesus when he comes back for you. There aren't enough devils in hell that could try to grab you by the feet and hold you down. It ain't going to work. The very force of gravity itself will have to yield to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes for you. And he will with force and power take you and snatch you from this earth to bring you to his side. That's why a lot of us love 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, which really, which really expands on this, where Paul said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Get ready. Then we who are alive and remain 
remain, watch this, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up, guess what it means? It means to be snatched up violently with force. It's the same thing that Jesus said. Paul got it. He said, You're, there is nothing that will hold you back. When God comes for the church, we are going to leave this world. There, there's nothing. And listen, the only thing that will hold us back are the things we let hold us back. And I made up my mind, I'm not going to get too attached to anything in this world. I don't want anything holding me back when Jesus comes. Come on, somebody. Somebody help this preacher right now. There is nothing in this world that is more valuable to me. There's nothing in this world that means more to me than Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And when he comes for us, he's coming. He's going to take us. And we're going to go to a place together forever. He's prepared a place for us. And I got something I got thinking about this week. And I don't know if I should preach this or not. But, you know, there's, there's ideas of pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. And, and, and I'm a pre-trib, if you're wondering. I'm pre-millennial. And, there, and some people think we're going to go through the tribulation and, you know, all, and, and it just, that makes no sense. Some people say, well, we're going to go through it and we're going to, we're going to get rapture. We're going to go up to heaven. We're going to turn around and we're going to meet Jesus as he's coming to set up his reign. So we're going to go up boom, and come right back down again. There are people, and you might believe that, which is fine, but that just negates the promise that in my father's house is a room just for me. I never get it. I never get it. Thanks. You just canceled my room. That's like showing up at a hotel and say, sorry, we gave your room to somebody else, right? Except in this case, you don't ever get to the hotel. That's why I believe in a pre-tribulation catching away of the saints. That's why I believe that we're going to get caught away because there's a place for me waiting in heaven that I'm going to get to enjoy at least for seven years if I'm alive. Now, if I die, I'm going to get to enjoy it even more. Jesus has prepared a place for us. And I want to close with this. Jesus has prepared a place for a prepared people. You know me and my pithy little sayings. Can I say that again? Let it get in your spirit. Jesus has prepared a place for a prepared people. We got to be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. If the, if the man would have known when his house was being broken into, said Jesus said, then he would have stayed up so he could have defended and kept the man from breaking into his house. And we don't know when Jesus comes. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. We can know the seasons. And so we have to be ready. So what does it take to have the right preparation? First of all, you're ready by being saved. You're ready by being saved. And I'm not talking about I got saved when I was five and... I got baptized when I was 10, so I'm in, but I'm living like a hellion. Okay, that's religion, and it's false. That's a doctrine straight out of hell. When you get saved, you get saved. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. If you're still, if you're supposed to get, if you got saved, you're still living like you, you did before you got saved, you didn't get saved. Okay, when Jesus saves you, he changes you. You are in Christ. You become a new creation. And so when I talk about saved, I'm talking about where you've yielded your life to Jesus Christ and repented of your sins and you've turned your back on sin and the devil and the world and you're, you're focused on the Lord and you're living for Jesus, whatever it takes, every day. And when you fail, you ask the Lord to forgive you and you confess your sins and he, he extends that wonderful restorative grace and cleanses you and you get up and you learn, learn better. And it's like when your kids get spanked and they're supposed to learn better and you just keep on going. 
the world has done a pretty good job manufacturing reasons why a sinner should go to heaven without being saved. And so people will say, well, God is a good God, and he would never send me to hell. He would let me go to heaven. God is love, and everybody will go to heaven. Okay, well, first of all, let's just one more time straighten it out. God never sends anybody to hell. You send yourself there. No, no judge sends a criminal to jail or prison, you send yourself there when you broke the crime and got caught. Okay, the judge is just doing his job and carrying out the sentence of the law. Okay, but we want to, but, but well, God is love. God will let everybody go to heaven. And I love that kind of thinking. I don't really, I'm being sarcastic, is that you can live for the devil and live in sin and live in pure and disobey God your whole life. But when you die, somehow God's going to wink at it and say, come on in, come on and bring that lifestyle into my holy heaven. Come on with all these righteous, holy people. Come on in. All of a sudden you're going to change. Like all of a sudden, when you get when you get to heaven, is now you're going to be a good person because God's going to make you be a good person? That's not how it works. God doesn't make anybody be a good person. You choose to yield your life to Him and you serve Him. Just ask Adam and Eve how that works. You have to make a decision. Choose you this day whom you will serve. So God, God, not just because God is love that He's going to let everybody into heaven. No, He does it. No, He does it. People say, "Well, I'm a good person." I mean, compared to her, have you seen her, what she does? I must be really good. I'm going to heaven. Now, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you have less sins than another person, it doesn't matter. You're still both sinners. Okay? Yeah, but I do good things for people. You don't know. I bake, I bake dinners for people. I bake things. I help. I have a lady across the street. She's a widow. And I take her. So I mow her grass. Surely, because I do these good things for people. That's wonderful. I Keep it up. I wish everybody would have that trait, that characteristic. But nowhere in the Bible does it say just because you do good things for people are you going to get into heaven. Jesus himself gave the answer in John chapter 14. Just three verses later from the verses that I read, he said, for I am the way. I am the truth. Everything else you're hearing, how to get to heaven, it's not true. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, somebody came up with this great concept. If you could picture a, a big, big screen up here with, with a picture of a mountain and God's name is written at the top and then there are all these roads from the bottom that go up to the top of the mountain. One says Christianity and one says Judaism and one says Buddhism and one says Islam. And the concept is that we're all trying to get to the same God, maybe different names, but all roads lead to heaven. You just follow whatever it is. And that's such a wonderful, isn't it? Just a warm, cozy, fuzzy concept, very humanistic. The problem is, did God, that we're painting this little wonderful little character, did God say that's how it works? God would say, no, that's whoever came up with that, it's not how I work. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to find a road or make a road to get up to God. The Bible says your sins have separated you from your God. There's no way to get to a holy God. Your sins keep up. So here's what God said. You can't get to me. I'll come to you. And he made a way down the mountain and came to us through Jesus Christ. That's the Christmas story. God robed the flesh and came down here and Jesus said, I'll make a way. Broad is the way and broad is the gate that leads to destruction and many there be that find it, but narrow is the path and narrow is the gate that leads to heaven and few there are that find it. 
And so you have to be saved. You have to trust Jesus and say, just like that young man that I got to pray with at the end of the first service, with tears running down his face, he wanted to be saved. He wanted his sins gone. He didn't want to be a sinner. He wanted to be right. He wanted to be in right relationship with God. He wanted to go to heaven. And so he prayed and asked Jesus, just like hundreds of us in this room and people watching online, how we've done. One day we all did it. And the great thing is, when you pray that prayer and have that faith and lean on his grace, it's amazing. He does, he keeps his promise again and he washes your sins away and the guilt and the fear and the shame are gone. And you're a new person and you have a, it was so funny. I, I ask people this all the time when they get saved. I said, how do you feel right here? He said, boy, I feel good. I said, feel like somebody took a wash rag and cleaned you out on the inside. He said, that's it. And he got that dumb grin on his face. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you, you get that dumb grin when you got saved? You look like Barney, or not, not Barney, you look like Gomer Powell. Shazam, I'm saved. I mean, he did. It was, it was so cool that I didn't point that out to him, but he did. He got that smile. It's just like, it's the, it's like when God saves you, it is transformative. It, my God, I feel like shouting right now. It's real. I mean, it's real. If you haven't had a real experience, just get back in the altar and pile up and say, God, give me the real thing. And whosoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's preparation. If you're going to go to heaven, be ready when Jesus comes to get us. You have to be saved. The second thing is you remain ready by living right. You remain ready every day by living right. Let me read you 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not been revealed what we shall be. And he's talking about when Jesus comes back. I, I don't know everything. I know I'm going to be glorified. I know I'm, not, I'm never going to die again. I'm, not, I'm never going to have a torn meniscus in my right knee happen ever again. I have no more back problems, no arthritis. No, no nearsightedness. I have to wear contact lens. None of that stuff, my glorified body, it'll be incorruptible. I'll live forever. There's some things I know and there's some things I don't know. I don't know. People ask me questions all the time and sometimes I have to tell them, I don't know. I, what, what age am I going to be? Am I going to be my age? Am I going to be 30? Am I going to be built? I don't know. I've always been skinny until I got fat and then I lost my fat and I'm just back to skinny again. Some of us men have the furniture disease. Our chest fell in our drawers. You know, and that's just, that's a furniture disease. And so, you know, when I get to heaven, will I have the furniture disease or will God heal me of that? You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Will I, will I look like a, will I look like a model? I don't know. I don't know what, the, I don't know. I don't think all that's going to matter. He said, it, it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we, this is what we do know. That when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. If I can be like Jesus, that's enough. That's, 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 the, that's the height, isn't it? Be like Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. Can y'all not wait for the day when you get to see him face to face? We sang about him this morning, and we were just rejoicing, and we feel his touch. But man, the day when we get to see him face to face... People say, I'm going to run up and hug him, and I'm going to do it. No, you're not. You're going to fall all over the face and blubber all over the floor, weeping and crying. That's what you're going to do. You just watch and say, you just, you'll just fall in. You'll, they'll have to pick you up and carry you around just crying. Oh, Jesus, I saw Jesus. I mean, it's going to knock you out when you see him. I can't wait. 
But now listen to this. This is the next verse. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to be like him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So listen to me. The hope of heaven, the hope of seeing Jesus, the hope of being like Jesus will motivate you to live a pure life. You won't let anything get in the way. You won't let anything in this world distract you, detour you. You won't let anything in this world stop you for when he comes back, stop you from being ready to go to get all that and experience all that. You'll be motivated to live a holy life. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And you know, we're, we're a holiness church, Pentecostal church, evangelical church, fundamental church. You just put all those labels in us. Some churches, they, don't, they, won't, they won't claim to be a holy church. And I've told you, one of the greatest compliments we ever got here is people said, you can't go to high praises and ride the fence. You either got to get saved or not. That's the way it's supposed to be. Okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. We're a holy people. We're called out. We're saints of God. It doesn't mean we're perfect. You're going to fail. You're going to falter. You just get ready. But God has made provision so that when we do fail, he'll forgive us and he'll cleanse us and he changes us. And every day we just get more like him and less like us. John the Baptist said about Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. And that's the theme of my life. I want to be less like me and more like him. So you're going to live a pure life. You're going, to live, you're going to live like he's coming. You're going to live like he's coming. So now is not the time to toy with sin. Now is not the time to cater to your flesh. Now is not the time to conform to this world. Now is not the time to give in to the temptations of the devil. Now is the time to stand your ground and walk daily in obedience to Jesus Christ. And listen, I think I can speak for you, but I'm going to speak for me. When he comes for me, I want him to find me walking in the light, obeying his word, loving him, loving my neighbor, shunning the wrong, and doing what is right. That's how you stay ready. And here's the last one, and it's very simple. You stay ready by looking for his coming. So you're saved, and you live like his coming, but you look for his coming. My dad used to preach for years. I've heard him preach a message many times that we ought to be an expectant people, an expectant people. We don't know when Jesus will return, but signs of the times are everywhere, y'all. You ever heard this scripture? The Bible says that evil men will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's talk about the last days. Do y'all just see how wicked and corrupt our society has become? Perversion is at an all-time high. I feel sorry for my grandchildren, what they have to watch. You can't even watch TV anymore. Anything and everything is about perversion and sinfulness and wickedness, and it's all blatant. And it's, it's growing. And I read this week, I, I, I'm reading the book of Genesis, and I read again where in the days of the flood, people were corrupt, and every intent of their heart and thought of their mind was just evil. And, and twice it says violence filled the land. And you look at how people are murdering people and violent and abusive. Which it's, just, it's just a corrupt society. If it wasn't for the church of the living God, the godly people, think what our America would be like. We are the light and we are the salt. That's what Jesus said. And so it's such a corrupt, corrupt place. That's a sign of the times. That tells you we're living in the last days. 
the nations of the world are lining up according to the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. It's happening. I mean, things are, things are transpiring that are setting us up for the coming of the Lord. I could re preach a whole series of sermons on those things, and I'm, I made intentionally, I'm, I've made my mind up not to just delve in those. I know some of you would love me to just go down that rabbit trail right now, but I'm not because I want to ask you questions instead. Are you looking for him? Are you looking for him? Are you expecting Jesus to come at any moment? Any moment. Do you pray daily? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come back today, Lord. And if right now I've questioned you and you're saying, honestly, no, I don't really give it much thought. I don't I can't tell you the last time when I've really just sat out and said, hey, Jesus might come today. Listen to me. That ought to be a red flag for you. That ought to be a red flag for you. Well, you're not looking for his coming. Here's the question. If he came right now, would you be ready to go? I mean, right now. You're sitting in church on a Sunday morning. Ba -ba -da! The trumpet would sound. The trumpet of God would sound, the voice of the archangel. Jesus would shout a shout so loud it wakes the dead. Boom! Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. You won't have time to say, hold on, Lord. Can you just... Stay right there. Give me a minute to pray. Give me a minute to make sure my heart's right. You won't have time. When he comes, he's coming back for those that are ready, who are living right, who are looking for him. If he came right now, would you be ready to go? Or would you be the one or two or three or four or five people left sitting in an empty room? I know that's sober, but it's meant to be. It may be while you're driving your car, shopping at Wally World, playing 18 holes on a golf course, or, or down at Myrtle Beach, sitting on the beach on vacation. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming back. And I try to get up every day, and in my prayer time, I say, Lord, it'd be all right if you came today. I'll even get to the next day and I'll start doing my walking and praying and I'll say, Lord, you didn't come yesterday, but you might come today. And I'm, help me to be ready to go when you come. I want to be ready to go, Lord. Take me home to be with you. If you came right now, I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask something very strong, and I did it in the first service. I'm asking you. I want to ask everybody in this room to come down here. I, I felt led of the Lord. I want to finish in these altars. I'm asking you not to open those doors and go outside. I want you to come down the altar, please. Don't, don't anybody leave. I want you to just come to the altar. Please come. Come down here. Because I have something I have to tell you from God. Just come to the front. 
it. Y'all keep coming. If you don't mind, keep walking this way. There are plenty of people behind you. Keep walking this way. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The beginning of this week, I start praying, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? The Lord deals with me. And I, I, God deals with everybody different. I don't hear an audible voice. I just know how he speaks to me. He said, my sheep know my voice. I know how he speaks to me. And then when he speaks to me, it gets in my spirit and won't go away. That's how I know God's dealing with me because it won't go away. So that's how I know this is a God thing. The Lord, while I was praying and walking this week, the Lord spoke to me almost audibly. And here's what he said. I want you to go to church Sunday and I want you to tell my people I'm coming again. Go tell my church I'm coming back. So that's what I've done today. And I'll tell you what thrills me is if the Lord would deal with the man of God to bring that message to you, he ain't going to say it unless he's coming back. And I think he's coming back soon. And I don't know what other preachers are preaching all over America today. That's up between them and God and what they're doing, but... I wouldn't be shocked if there are other preachers today that God spoke to and said, it's time to get the church ready. It's time to get the people of God ready. Get your eyes off this world. And I just want to say, church, get your eyes off this world. Listen, if you want to get married, get married. If you want to have kids, have kids. I love it because that's church growth. We got nine ladies in our church right now expecting. I said, praise God, that's nine new members. That's what I told Pastor Amy. That's how a pastor thinks. If you want to get education, go as far as you can get. Go get your master's. Go get your doctorate. I'm all for education. I have an earned master's degree. I'm all for you. I'll be, if you're an entrepreneur and want to start your business, start it. If you want to succeed in life, you have goals and ambitions, set the goals. Don't, don't waste your life. Do those things. But whatever you do, as you are doing all those things, make sure that first and foremost, every day of your life, you are living in such a way that you can drop it and let it go when the trumpet sounds. Live in such a way that it never distracts you or pulls you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't ever let it pull you away from Jesus. Get to where you're never thinking about Jesus and not thinking about the coming of the Lord. This world is not our home. We are just sojourners and pilgrims. We're just traveling through. Our citizenship is in heaven and you have a place waiting for you. Don't hang on to this world. Let it go. Hold on to it loosely so that when he comes you can just wave goodbye as you go to be with him I want every head bowed and every eye closed all over this place Here's I want to do what I did in the first service if you are here this morning you say Pastor Chris I am not ready I am not ready well you said if the Lord came right now are you ready I'm not ready I'm a sinner I'm backslidden I used to be ready and then I fell in love with the world and I went back into sin I'm not ready Listen, today God directed me to preach this so you can be ready. So here's what I want you to do. Start praying right now and say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Take my sins away. I believe you died for me, Jesus. You rose again. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I repent. I turn from my sins. I'm going to live for you. Just start praying that. Call unto the Lord. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want today you to leave this place saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And here's for the rest of us. And they're about to sing this 
this powerful song about the coming of the Lord. So they're going to sing while we pray for the rest of us. I want you to just search your heart. And you say, Pastor, I haven't, I love the Lord, but I just haven't been thinking about his coming. I want you to pray. This is so very important. Listen to me. I want everybody here to pray this. Say, Jesus, help me to be cognizant. Help me to be aware. Help my spirit to stay sensitive every day of my life. From, from this service today to the day I leave this world, help me every day to be sensitive every day and say, today could be the day when Jesus comes. Can we just start praying that right now? Can you invest in your own discipleship and start praying, Lord, help me every day. Come on, start crying unto the Lord. Lord, help me every day to be looking. Help me to be living like you're coming, looking for your coming. Be expecting God. Don't let me fall in love with this world. Help me, God. Help me, God, to just be, have my eyes on you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.